So, housekeeping. Did anybody not get a communion cup when you came in? And you need one. <laughs> Does anybody here need one? Everybody have one? Yes or no? You need one? Okay. You're good. Okay. So I just want to make sure, because when we get to that part of the service, I want to make sure that you're ready for that part. Okay. So that part's good. Um, for those of you visiting who don't know who Paul White is, that is Alicia, our pastor's wife's father. And he's 93, and he had a heart issue yesterday. And that went out yesterday evening. And the fun part about this one, Pastor Scott gets together with us on Thursday mornings. We do our morning coffee. Thursday mornings, and there's a group of guys that get there, and uh, he goes over, he goes, oh, this is where I'm at with my sermon, and these are my sermon notes and everything else, and so I had heard what he was going to be preaching on today. Uh, when I say the word snakes, <laughs> there will be three responses in here. How many of you like snakes? Because there are people that have terrariums and like snakes and think snakes are cool. Three. Okay. <laughs> Four, four, okay, let me give you, okay. How many of you <laughs> kill snakes? Sorry, I don't want to start a war in here, okay. I mean, how many of you guys see a snake on the road and you swerve to miss it? How many of you swerve to hit it? Yes, okay. So, <laughs> this is what the topic was today. It's going to be about snakes. How many of you are neutral? How many of you go, what kind of snake is it first, right? How many of you can't tell? They just, it's a snake, and it's going to die, all right? So this is, this is the context for what's going to go on this morning. We're going to talk about snakes. So you just need to know that that's where we're headed, and that's what we're talking about. How many of you got a bulletin? Did I leave mine down there? No, well, no I had one more. Oh, there it is. Simon warned you that it was going to be a good day. Okay, all right. How many of you did not get a bulletin? This is an open book test. We're going to fill in the blanks. Okay. So last night, I love modern technology. Scott was able to email me his sermon notes. And if you've been around very long, I don't preach like Scott. Okay. That's not a judgment. We're just different. Thank God. Okay, so... um. For his sake, not mine. Okay. That could come across really wrong. All right. So for the next three Sundays, Simon gave you a clue that we're going to be talking about the what? The cross. So, and the promises of God that tie into the cross. And I thought it was really cool. You got to come to our Thursday morning study if you're a man. Okay. It's a men's group. So, um, not to be gender discriminatory or anything like that, but. Can I share what you shared? For the next three weeks, we're going to be cross-eyed. It was good. It was good. I thought it was great. Terry shared that. So we're going to be cross-eyed for the next three weeks. And I want you to go beyond being cross-eyed to being Christ-eyed. Because the cross was just a bridge. Is everybody with me? Are we tracking so far? Okay. So that's what we're talking about today. Here's the context. We're in numbers, if you'll want to flip there. Oh, I'm supposed to share this quote with you. I've never heard this. Anybody heard this before? 
there's a snake saying. It says, if red touches black, venom black, or safe for Jack. You're supposed to know this. I didn't know this. I've never heard it. If red touches yellow, you kill a fellow. <laughs> yellow touches red, <laughs> you're dead. Okay, so that's your snake story. We're going to talk about snakes all day today, all right? If you're like me and you see a snake, it's like, I don't have time to look at the colors or count it. And rattlesnakes aren't red or white or anything on their own. They just die, okay? Um, seriously, how many of you guys have a snake story of some kind, right? I mean, you've been walking down the road and you heard one or you saw one or, I mean, we have one at our house, but my wife said I couldn't share it because the snake lived under our front porch and she had our daughter kill it because she hates snakes. Anyway, okay, so... So I didn't share it. You didn't hear it from me, okay? So go to Numbers chapter 21. We're going to read verses 4 through 9. And here's kind of the backstory of this one. They're wandering in the desert. And they've been wandering in the desert. And they've had ups and they've had downs. And they've had good times. And they've ran out of water. And they got told they couldn't go in for 40 years. So that's the backstory of this thing, okay? They were impatient. Anybody here impatient ever? I mean, it was great. Yesterday, God gives great sermon illustrations before I know I need them. So we're moving to a little house behind our house. And we took apart the dining room table and moved it over yesterday. And it has leaves, and I'm trying to put it back together. And it doesn't work won't go together and there's a gap and my wife goes, I think it got jilted along the way, right? And I'm getting what? Everybody say frustrated. And I'm impatient. And I'm going, well, if we push harder, it'll work, right? Not. <laughs> and I'm going, well, if you flip it upside down, maybe it'll work. Not. And finally, my wife Amy looks at me and she goes, you know, I'm going to go work on something else. Because <laughs> you're not any fun to be around right now. <laughs> okay. So I was impatient, and we all get impatient. And when you get impatient, you tend to grumble, right? I said nice things to that table. No, anyway, um, this is just the context. So these guys, they're in the desert, and they start looking back, and they've looked back before, you guys. They've looked back before, and here's the conflict. You look back, and you go, oh, the good old days. Anybody ever done that? It was better... My good old days are getting a lot longer, okay? I don't know, but I mean, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. Some of you guys, it goes way back before that even. I get that. So here's the context. They've been delivered. He took them through the Red Sea on dry ground. He gave them the Ten Commandments so they would know two things. How to relate to God. First commandment says, Thou shalt what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, mind, and soul. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Horizontal and it's vertical. And he's been guiding them. At night, they had the what? The pillar of fire. There we go. Okay. And then in the daytime, he gave them a cloud. So God's been taking them through. Even as they know they're not going to get into the promised land, not this generation, there's a consequence to their bad choices. Okay. And they were frustrated. So that's the backstory. And they get there. And God gets irritated with them. <laughs> Can God get irritated? Everybody say, uh-huh. 
they were in sin. And they were grumbling, and they were impatient, and they were really tired of their manicotti, or manna. Sorry, okay. Just want to see if y'all were listening. That was actually a Pastor Scott joke. I couldn't have thought of that. But how many Italians in the room? You guys, seriously, if, if you don't know this, Pueblo's Hispanic and Italian, and people like me are the minority. True story. If you don't know this and you're not from Pueblo, they teach Italian in the Spanish and in the high schools here. It's pretty cool. So now everybody's mad at me that it's Italian because I don't know how to say manicotti. Okay, so this is the context. They're frustrated. They're tired of the same old food. Anybody here ever whine? How many of you have whined about the price of gas lately? Everybody raise your hand. If you drive, okay, the kids are going, all right. So, you guys, it's just in our nature sometimes, and I'm pretty optimistic and everything else, but we just whine, and that's what's going on. These guys are whining, and God gets fed up with it, and he decides to send a bunch of what? Everybody say snakes. Or if you want to spell it out with the biblical word, it's serpents. And if you get bit by the serpent, you're going to what? Everybody say die. So this is what's going on. And they're angry and they're frustrated. Let's look at the verse real quick. Numbers 21. It says, From Mount Hor they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. So they weren't just mad at God, they were mad at Moses, their leader. And they said, Why have you brought us out of, up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there's no food, there's no water, and we loathe this worthless food. So they were tired of manna and quail. Context. And then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. Do choices have consequences? Absolutely. Absolutely. I saw this little meme this week, and I haven't been able to write it down yet, but it just says, you know, sometimes bad things happen because you make stupid choices. No, anyway, okay, but these guys were rebelling against God one more time. And verse 7 is what gives you some hope here. The people came to Moses, and they said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you, Pray to the Lord that he takes away the serpents from us. And so Moses prayed for the people. <laughs> I can brag about Pastor Scott. Does everybody here know that Pastor Scott prays for his people? He really does. I mean, he didn't share this to boast, but he looked at this Thursday and he says, You know, I haven't missed a day in three years. So these people are coming to Moses and they're like, Hey, pray for us. Pray for us. Now, I don't know. I'm really curious. Were they asking him to pray to get rid of the serpents, or were they asking him to pray because they wanted to confess their sin? Do you guys understand the difference? Sometimes I just want God to spare me from the consequences of my bad choices. <laughs> Sometimes I really want to repent. And it doesn't say here. That's just a question for you to think about as it applies to your life. And the people came to Moses and said, verse 7, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he takes away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. 
and everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. So Mo, that's the promise. We're talking about the promises of God. Promises says if you'll look up at the snake. And so Moses was obedient. He made a bronze serpent and he set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and he would live. Did the serpents get taken away? Everybody say nope. Doesn't say that part. But they had a responsibility on their part that if they got bit, they had to look at the what? The serpent or the snake on the pole. So, Terry, I know you're in the medical field. There are several people here. One of the symbols of the medical field is the cross with two snakes. How many of you guys have ever seen that, like in a doctor's office or somewhere? And Scott didn't have it in his notes, and I tried to look it up. I thought, oh, he missed something. And actually, there are two theories. One is that, that there was a Greek god. <laughs> I didn't know this. But there was a Greek god, and they had a symbol of a snake on a pole as well in the Greek things. And he had healed this a lot of people. And then there's the Christian Judeo version of it. So there are actually two stories, both from around the 1300 B.C. before Christ. Um, so maybe that's why he left it out. But I do find that fascinating is snakes, not only do they kill you, but they're also a symbol of healing. convoluted. I couldn't figure the two out. So that's the conflict, all right? It's easy to be impatient on the journey. Some of you know how many kids we have with our 14 kids. Some of you didn't know that story. We did buy a TV. It's okay. Um, so one of my secretaries gave me this picture of the wagon trains coming across one time. And on the back of the buckboard, Sitting on the tail of the wagon were two little kids. And they said, the greatest trial coming across the Great Plains were the two kids on the back of the buckboard going, are we there yet? <laughs> Some of you have traveled with kids. You get that joke. It's not funny. Okay, so these people are looking back, and they look around, and they're grumbling. And they spoke against God and Moses. So there was this conflict. If you're filling out this, we're down to number Six, where it says the consequences of sin. The consequences of sin say that the sin, their disobedience, their rebellion against God brings the snakes, and the snakes bring what? Death. So there is a consequence to that. Now, most of you folks are churchgoers. Some of you have been going for longer than me. And one of my great frustrations is, is we use biblical theological terms people don't get it. The training tomorrow night, anybody remember what Simon said the training tomorrow night's about? Everybody tell me. If you were listening, it's VBS. Now, I'm at Sam's one day and I'm wearing an I Love VBS shirt, right? And the little kid in front of me, he looks up at me and he goes, what's VBS? Because is that a term for them or for us? That's us. It's a little acronym that stands for Vacation Bible School. And he goes, well, what's Vacation Bible School? And I said, it's where we teach people about Jesus. But I love how we use the word sin. If you're here for the first time and I say sin, you're going to go, huh? <laughs> what's he talking about? It just means to mess up, to miss the mark. You've got this relationship with God that we are in rebellion against God. We want to do it our way. And we want to grumble. So that's what's going on here. The consequences of the 
our rebellion and our sin is death as well too. And they confess to Moses. If you look at number seven, they confess. It says, we've sinned against you and against God. And Moses prays for the people. And they confess their sin. And he intervened. And he stepped in. And then eight and nine is the cure. God told Moses to take the serpent and put it on a pole. How many of you use Google? How many of you use Siri? My wife's a Siri person. Okay, so I'm a Google person. Anybody here use Alexa? Three, four, five. Okay, so how many of you guys love to have instant answers to your question? Yeah, it's like, okay, let me Google that really quick, right? Because my kids don't know how to go look something up. It's all right. I'll Google it. Could they Google a serpent on a pole? They're going to say no. Didn't happen. That didn't happen in 30 seconds. But God provided a solution to their problem. There was sin, there was rebellion against God, there was grumbling and complaining. And they realized that they were at fault. And they confessed that sin. They said, would you pray for me? So there's two applications for us today. If you're a believer, are you in this state of complaining and grumbling and blaming God? And do you need to confess that? non-believer <laughs> are you in the state of grumbling and complaining and you need to come and say Christ what Simon and the worship team keeps saying about the provision that God made for us on the cross the blood of Jesus Christ that's why we're not just going to be cross-eyed we're going to be Christ-eyed in the next three weeks we're going to look at Christ and what he did for us on the cross and so even Christ himself said this. If you want to flip over to John chapter 3. If you've got your Bible, go to John chapter 3. New Testament, this carries over in John chapter 3, 14 through 17. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Verse 14. Nicodemus was there. He had come to Christ. He was confused. He's a religious leader, but he's got questions, and he's willing to ask the questions. It's okay to ask questions of God. Anybody here ever have questions? I do all the time. I say, God, why are you doing what you're doing, right? Well, what are you up to? And sometimes I just have to accept that I don't know. I don't know. One of my favorite quotes is, God never looks down from heaven and goes, Oh, myself. He has a plan. He's in control. He knows what's going on. But Nicodemus comes to him with this question. Look at verse 9. Nicodemus goes, How can this be that a person can be born again, right? Jesus answered him, And you're the teacher of Israel, and you don't understand these things. Truly, truly, I say to you, you speak of what, we speak of what we know. And we bear witness to what we've seen, but you don't receive our testimony. If I've told you earthly things and you don't believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? 
No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. He's speaking of himself. And then he goes on to say, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up on the cross, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. You guys all know the next verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. So, is your relationship with God where it needs to be today? Everybody with me? If you're a believer, that's your question. If it's not, what do you need to confess? What do you need to turn over? What do you need to ask forgiveness for? If you've never entered into that relationship, that born-again part that it's talked about right here, if you've never done that, if you don't understand it, ask one of us, please, at the end of the service. It could be Simon, it could be myself. There are multiple people here that can help you answer those questions. Because you may not know, and that's okay. That's okay. But if you know and you're just stubborn, <laughs> like these folks in the desert, snake's going to bite you. You're going to die. I wish there was an easier way to say that. Choices have consequences. And our prayer today is that you would turn to Christ on the cross and his sacrifice on that cross. The blood of Jesus Christ forgives our sin. That's what scripture teaches. So the cross, down there it's number 10, John 3, 14. Numbers 21, there's the parallel between Jesus' death and victory on the cross and Moses was the serpent lifted up on the cross. So that's the parallel of the two. And in the Lord's provision, you can be forgiven. Which is really what we celebrate when we come together and remember the Lord's Supper. That's what we're going to do today. As we remember what Christ did for us on the cross, where he shed his blood that we could be forgiven. But you got to come back in three weeks for the rest of the story. Because he didn't stay dead. Sometimes I hate little things that you do all the time, but it's really true. He's risen. See, and if you're a non-believer and you've never been here, you're going, huh, it's a cult. What are they talking about? Okay, so, you know what? Christ is risen from the dead. Come here the rest of the story in three weeks. You can come in the middle. Next week's going to be good too, but come back for Easter. The story's not finished yet. The story's not finished yet. So, take your cup. We're going to look at some verses that reflect on what that means. If I can find my... Here we go. John one twenty nine. Are these on slides, Simon, or it said there were slides. Maybe not. John 1.29. I'm going to read them. Whether you get to see them on the screen or not is yet to be determined. It 
says, The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God. Most of you can fill in the blank who takes away the sins of the world. Okay? The next one is 1 Peter 2.24. It says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. That's what I was talking about. If you're over here and you haven't died to sin, if you haven't died to your rebellion, if you're playing with sin, that snake is going to bite you. But we're called to live to righteousness because by his wounds you are healed. It's a spiritual healing. There is physical healing in this world sometimes, sometimes there's not. This is talking about the physical fact that you can be healed and forgiven of your sins and that relationship restored with Christ. Ephesians 2.13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The same thing that Simon was singing about. And then this one, we're not going to be cross-eyed, right? Everybody with me? The next three weeks we're going to be cross-eyed. But not just cross-eyed, but what? Christ died. Somebody heard it. Ah, that gives me hope. Okay. Hebrews chapter 12, 2 and 3. It says this. It says, looking to Jesus. That's to be Christ died. The founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. Because he didn't want to die. He prayed, God, if there's any other way, take this away. I don't want to do this. He didn't want to do it. But he was obedient. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And in 1 Corinthians 1.18, it says this. It says, For the word of the cross is folly or foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. John 3.16 that we already talked about says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish but would have eternal life. Just like the serpents in the desert when they were grumbling and complaining, when they realized their sin and they said, We've sinned against God and against you. And they repented and said, Pray for me. So, sing the song, you guys, at the cross before we do this. Give you a chance to reflect on where you are in that relationship with Christ.
he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, sorry. <laughs> Don't be impatient. Don't grumble. Some of you in here are going, yeah, but he can't forgive this sin. You've got something in your life that's Verse 25, he says, And in the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Simon just said, There is nothing so great that God's mercy and grace can't cover. This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink. say, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the cross. Both the cross that Moses lifted up and the serpent on the staff. But that pointed to Christ. And thank you for Christ being lifted up and his promise that he would draw men to himself. 